0: the Vail Christian Church podcast. Summer has arrived and we're kicking off a new series called Summer with the Family. Our student pastor Noah Adkins has a message titled The Church of the Now. Join us in Proverbs chapter 22 verse 6. At Vail Christian Church we believe in training followers of Christ to worship, gather, give, and serve. Morningville Christian Church. As I said before, my name is Noah Atkins. I'm the pastor of students here. And it's my pleasure to get to teach today. I'm pretty excited. We're going to kick off a brand new series called Summer with the Family. And my opening message today is, uh, it's going to be called The Church of the Future. And we'll get into that here in a second. Um, But so yeah, if you pretty much have guessed by seeing me on stage, you know that I'm going to be talking about teenagers. We're going to be looking through the lens of a a particular verse in Proverbs if you guys have your Bibles, you can go ahead and pull those out. We're going to be in Proverbs 22, verse 6. It's a pretty uh, well-known verse. I'm sure most of you have, if you haven't heard it or if you haven't quoted it, um, it might be, uh, I'm pretty sure Hobby Lobby sells this verse on decorative <laughs> things that you can place in your, in your home. Proverbs 22:6. 6, it says, train a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not turn from it. Now, I think the best way to unpack this message, to unpack this verse, is to talk about the way that we view teenagers here at Vell Christian, right? In my uh, preparation for this, for this message today, I did a lot of research just kind of looking at statistics and numbers. You guys are going to have a handout in your, in your seat that we're going to refer to here in a little bit, so don't, don't jump ahead. But so much of the time, what I noticed was that everybody refers to high school students as the church of the future teenagers are the church of the future, the church of the future. What's going to happen with the church of the future? Where is the church of the future? All this other stuff. But if you've been with us for any amount of time, you'll know that at Vell Christian Church, we don't call teenagers the church of the future. We call them the church of the now, right? You've probably heard that before. We're not the church of the future, the church of the now. We're actually really intentional about saying that. We say it regularly, we genuinely believe that ch- teenagers are the church of the now. Now, the question I have is, like, you might be having this, like, what does that mean? <laughs> it's like one of those churchy things that you hear people say, oh, the church of the now, that sounds like swaggy, whatever, like, what does that mean? What is the church of the now? Well, I'm going to unpack it a little bit. What does that mean, church of the now? It, did anybody get coffee this morning? Anybody? No one got co- Okay, there's some hands, okay. Okay, so if you got coffee this morning, you were served by a teenager, there was a teenager in the cafe. When you walked onto campus this morning, there's a pretty good chance that a teenager probably printed out your name tag, right? When you walked into the auditorium, there might have been a teenager, even a potentially like a kid, handing you a flyer as you come into the church. If you have children in our children's area, there's teenagers all over that place. You guys ever been to Kids Night Out? Ever drop your kids off at Kids Night Out? Ever send your, kid to, uh, your, your children to the day camps we run? Like the heavy lifting for those events is done by teenagers. If you've got a middle schooler, I inject high schoolers into every single middle school group that we have at this church because sometimes adults are tired and they can't chase middle schoolers for an hour, right? So we inject high schoolers and high schoolers know what middle schoolers are going to, right? Going through because high schoolers are cool, right? So if you've got a middle schooler, they're interacting with teenagers. When our high school students uh, lead worship on Tuesday nights, Right? That's, that's all high schoolers that are doing all that. It's all high school students. Teenagers aren't the church of the future. They're the church of the now. Running sound back there, Ian Stark came from this youth ministry program. Aiden was on drums, youth ministry. Nick Didier singing, youth ministry. Jacob Canterbury, youth ministry. Victoria B in the back booth there, running production. She came out of our youth ministry program. This church is swimming in teenagers, and it's a good thing. Because teenagers are the church of the now because they're leading things now. And that's been the case since the beginning of church history. I'm gonna give you guys a little bit of homework, okay? Your kids have had 180 days of it. I'm gonna give you guys just a little bit today. I'm gonna have you guys look up two passages, not right now, but when you get home tonight, I want you to look up Exodus 30, 14 through 15, and Matthew 17, 24 through 27. I want you to look those two verses up. Don't do it now, write them down. And I want you to research those verses along with how old were the 12 apostles. It's a really interesting correlation. We know that Peter was 18 years of age because he was married, and so Jewish tradition has him about 18 years of age. But everyone else, it is believed by most historians, every other, all the other apostles were probably under the age of 18. Think about that. The 12 apostles were under the age of 18. That means Jesus intentionally called young people when he started his work here on earth. Jesus saw the potential that young people could have, and when he began his ministry, he intentionally chose them to be the foundation of the church, and they went out and spread the good news. Teenagers are the church of the now. A church with a healthy youth ministry program is a vibrant and exciting church to be a part of, and that's just a fact. In the last four weeks, we've had about seven families visit for the very first time on Wednesday nights because their kids heard that something cool was going down here at the church, and so they brought them, first-time visitors, to a Wednesday night. The church needs teenagers. We need them so that we can have a generation to train and replace us, right? Can't do this forever. I can't be a youth pastor forever. Someone's going to have to fill these shoes. We need teenagers, but as much as the church needs teens, teens also need the church in a major way because what teenagers are facing in the world is a darkness that has targeted them and is bringing them down. If you guys pull out your little handout, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say these stats out, out loud, but it's, it's difficult to show all this stuff on, on the screen. It ends up being kind of overwhelming. So if you look at the, blue, the dark blue box in your handout... In 2019, the CDC asked students in Arizona high schools a series of questions regarding sex, alcohol use, mental health, many other things. And this is what they found. 31% had been bullied in some manner, either electronically or in person at school. 17.8% of girls and 5.6% of boys had experienced sexual violence of some kind. 48% had tried e-cigs, 26% were drinking alcohol, 26% were using marijuana. 34% were sexually active. 22% 22 per student, 22% of students were offered illegal drugs at school. My parents used to tell me, don't go to those parties where drugs are. Drugs are at school. Drugs are at school. Girls tended to use more alcohol, were also more sexually active, surprisingly, in the state of Arizona. Girls also tend to be more depressed. 52% of girls and 30% of boys felt hopeless in 2019. That was before the pandemic, guys. Worse now, 27% of girls and 15% of boys seriously considered suicide, 16 made a plan to kill themselves, 10% attempted suicide, 4% ended up in the hospital because of their suicide attempt. According to the American Psychological Association, the APA, you may have heard of them, teen stress actually rivals that of adults, with the most commonly reported sources of stress being school at 83%. And getting into a good college or deciding what to do after high school, 68% of students cited that as a major stress. As a result of stress, 35% of teens report lying awake at night unable to sleep. Now in youth ministry, we have a saying, my youth leaders probably heard this a million times, or at least in the training, apply every statistic to your ministry. Apply every statistic to the people in your ministry. And if we do that, well, we have about 180 students here now at Ville Christian Church between middle school and high school. It's a lot, 180 students. What that means is if we apply those statistics, some of your kids are dealing with this stuff. Some of your kids are struggling with these things. Some of, or they have friends that are going through these things. These things might be unknown to you. These two students, they need all the help that they can get because the enemy is targeting them specifically. I've been in youth ministry for 15 years, ladies and gentlemen, 15 years I've been doing youth ministry. I love it. I left my law enforcement job to do this. It's a great passion of my life. My experience is that what kids are dealing with now is significantly more extreme than anything they've ever dealt with before. As those stats on the handout show. We have several wonderful teachers in our own congregation. Some of them are in this auditorium right now, people that work for the school district. Ask them if the school campus is better or worse than it was 10 years ago. See what they say. Schools can't even open up all their restrooms anymore. I went to a school recently to do some chaplain stuff, and there was a log for kids to sign in to use the restroom. And I was like, what is this for? Like, I'm unfamiliar with this. And the principal's like, yeah, like there's a TikTok thing with vandalizing and vaping in restrooms, so we gotta sign kids in and out of the restroom. When I was in school, this is gonna be one of Why was your age, it's one of those stories. When I was in school, maybe it's just where I grew up, but by and large, like a lot of teens went to church. It wasn't that big a deal. No one really looked down on Christians. Some people viewed us as a little bit stuffy, right? But we weren't bullied because of our faith. We we're pretty well accepted. Ask one of the high school students if that's the case now. Ask them if their faith is accepted on the high school and middle school campus. See what they say. Some of our kids have been ridiculed by students. Some of our kids have been mocked by their teachers. Some of our kids have been targeted by other students for showing their faith. One student, um, he was uh, at lunch and a girl was being sexually harassed by a group of his friends and he stood up for the girl and he was like, guys, you got to knock it off, da-da-da-da. Later that night, he found that his group of what he thought were his friends had started like a hashtag trend on Snapchat, Twitter, and whatever all the things are, and uh, I won't say the name, but the the hashtag that they started about him was so-and-so is a fag, and they began to just like, like just dog him for a while. Another student who was known for being a gentleman, and um, you probably wouldn't know him. He's very outspoken in his faith. Serves in a lot of different areas on this campus. A couple of years ago, he was kind of targeted by his sports team, where they were they would like mess with his locker and prevent him from being able to get into his locker every day after gym and after sports, so he couldn't change out of his gym clothes. Small thing, but still. A few a few months ago, one of our students she had a football thrown at her head during a morning prayer circle. Um, it was thrown from far enough away. I don't know if you guys have like been hit in the head with a football, like, especially if you're not expecting it, it hurts. Like, It was thrown from far enough away, they didn't see who was doing it. There was nobody playing, catching the area. they were kind of off by themselves. High school never found out who did it. Can you imagine if these things had happened to a group of students who were representing something other than Christianity? Would have made news. Not for Christians, though. Now, listen, I'm not trying to upset anyone. I'm not trying to cause division. I'm not trying to say that our students deserve to be treated better. blah, 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 blah. This is what we should expect. In John 15, 18 through 19, Jesus says it really clear. If the world hates you, be aware that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, the world would love you as its own. However, because you do not belong to the world, but I chose you out of the world. For this reason, the world hates you. I'm not calling for us to demand justice or to fight the school district. I actually really like the school district compared to a lot of other districts. Like Vail School District is killing it, guys. We're very fortunate. I think they're doing pretty dang good. And they can't be blamed for every single student's behavior any more than the youth pastor can be blamed if a middle schooler breaks something. Like, I can't be blamed for that, right, guys? We can all agree, right? Can we all agree? Okay, good. The fact is Christians living out their faith will undergo persecution. What I am calling for, what I am calling for us to do is to sit up and pay attention because our teenagers are in a fight that many of us ignore or aren't even aware of. The middle school and high school campus is a spiritual battlefield. Our kids are being spiritually attacked through temptation, persecution, and a whole bunch of other things. And here's the thing, we have sent our kids there, prepared or not, ready or not, they're there, and we need to bolster their faith for the spiritual warfare that's happening every single day in their lives. I don't even have time to cover like the sexualization of teens in media or like, the pornography industry and the way they attack teens. My goodness, I could spend two weeks on that. I found out yesterday, Netflix, 40% of the media designated as teen on Netflix is TVMA rated R or rated R, and it has graphic depictions of sex in it. That's, they gear that towards teens. It's called teen entertainment. The enemy of our soul, Satan, and the demonic forces of this world know that the church needs teens to effectively spread the gospel and bring in the unsaved. And so the enemy is going after teens and parents. And we are losing our kids, church. We are losing our kids. We are. And that is why we need student ministry. That is why student ministry and church should be important to you. Student ministry, it's designed to specifically reach teens where they're at. We work hard to make it that way teaching them God's word and teaching them how to handle the things they struggle with, training them to spread the gospel, encouraging them to fight against the evil of this world. We exist in youth ministry to help you train your teens in the way that they should go so that they can be adults in the church. And if we want our students to remain in the church, we parents, myself included, need youth ministry to come alongside what we're already doing in the home. It's a coordinated effort. We parents need youth ministry to help us train and disciple our teens before they're released into the world. Because although 18 years seems like a lot of time to teach them what they need to know, it's, it's kind of not. It's not. So let's look at the 18 years. This is the purple box in your handout. I love this breakdown. Spent a lot of time working on this. 18 years is 6,550 days. School is about 2,160 days from K-kindergarten to 12th grade. After you factor in homework, a teen spends about 35% of their life doing school before they hit 18. If your teen regularly plays a sport or does other athletics, they'll spend about 2% of their life in the sport before they hit 18. If a teen does club sports or uh, middle school club sports sports, Throughout that like time of their life, they'll spend 5.3% of their life in sports before they hit 18 with all the travel and extra games and extra stuff. If a teen uh, does extracurricular clubs or school clubs, that accounts for an average of about 1.5% of a teenager's life before they hit 18. Now, don't read ahead. Some of you are already reading ahead. Don't read ahead. This next one. Now, here's the question I have. How much does church get, right? You're already reading ahead. I'll go ahead and say it anyway. If a child never misses church, comes to summer camps, and all the other events from kindergarten to fifth grade, they'll spend 432 hours in children's ministry. That's 18 days or 0.2% of their life before they turn 18. If your teen comes to every small group, attends church every Sunday, goes to every camp, every retreat, and every other youth event from sixth grade to 12th grade, they'll spend 84 days doing youth ministry or about 1.2% of their life before they turn 18. In total, If your student never misses church ever and comes to everything we do, they will spend 1.4% of their life in church before they hit 18 and leave to go into the world. 1.4%. The church gets much less time than teens, or the church gets much less time than school does with the teen, much less time than sports, and even less time than school clubs will get unless your kid only does one club. I feel like we have to ask the question... It's a hard question, but that's what I'm paid for, right? I'm paid to ask hard questions and say hard things. I feel like we have to ask the question, are our teens investing their time in things that build up their faith, or are they investing their time in things that tear down their faith? I'm not saying school is bad. Don't misunderstand me. Shopping at the grocery store, like, doesn't build up your faith, right? Like, but you still got to do it to live. Education is important, right? Like, your kid's got to get an education somewhere. I'm not saying school's bad. I'm also not pushing you to homeschool or or take your kids out of school and do online school. Not saying that. I just want you to think about where your kids are spending their time. I want you to think about the eternal destination of your child's soul. And I want you to consider how much importance you place on church, given the fact that the vast majority of your teenager's life is spent living in a culture that's not helping them to grow in their relationship with Christ and is by all accounts tearing them down. I'm also not saying that sports and and clubs are bad. They can be really, really good. They can teach teamwork, community service, cooperation, and all kinds of other good things. But sports and clubs aren't more important than youth ministry. And I'm not gonna apologize for saying that. According to the NCAA, 1.3% of high school students will receive an athletic scholarship when they apply to college, 1.3%. Yet we have more kids Leave Vale Christian Church for sports than any other reason. As parents, we need to ask ourselves, are we as a family investing our time in things that will teach our kids how to form a proper worldview that lines up with God's word and prepares them for a lifetime of being a Christ follower? We've got this much time in middle school and high school parents, this much time in the most informative years of their life for that much time they're going to spend outside the home. How are we spending this block of time? Because if you look at the numbers, the statistics on church attendance all agree, we are dropping the ball and our kids are not making it into adulthood as Christ followers. We are dropping the ball. Somewhere between 64 and 75% of professing Christian teens leave the church once they start college. I've heard it's higher, but those were the most accurate numbers I could get. you look at your handout, the purple or box down there at the bottom. In 2019, the Barner Group polled young adults who either identified as Christian or used, used to identify as Christian. And they found that only one in 10 young Christians stayed in the faith and actively attended church throughout college. Like the prodigal son though, like many, many of these young Christians said that they came back to their faith after they finished college. Mike Van Fleet calls that emerging from the fog of stupidity that like is your early 20s. Right? So a lot of them do come back, but only one in 10 remain steadfast through college. They call this group the resilient disciples. What do those one in 10 students all have in common? It might surprise you. 88% said the church is a place where I feel I belong. Hard to belong to some place you don't go very often. 85% said that there is someone in my life who encourages me to grow spiritually. 82% said I'm connected to a community of Christians. 72% said I admire the faith of my parents. 77% said, I have someone in my life other than family who can go who I can go to for advice on personal issues. 77% said, when growing up, I had close personal friends who were adults from my church. And the one thing these resilient disciples all have in common is that every single one of the 18 to 29-year-olds that never left the church were all involved in a faith community beyond attendance on Sunday mornings. Teens who are involved in youth ministry have the best chance of keeping their faith when they leave home and enter into the world as an adult. And if you don't believe me, I understand, but I can tell you statistically, 9 out, of 10, 9 out of 11 students who walk across this stage on Senior Sunday remain active in the church throughout college on this, for this youth ministry program, 9 out of 11. The church loses about 64% of teens after high school, but about 81% of the teens who graduate from the youth ministry program at Ville Christian remain in the faith. In fact, 13 of our 30 adult youth leaders are from our youth ministry program here at Ville Christian. And I just listed a whole bunch of others that are serving, right? If you want your teen to have the kind of faith that sticks, they need to be in youth ministry. Think about those numbers real quick. 1.4% of the time, right? That's all that we have if they come to everything. 1.0 percent of the time. That's not that much. But if they get that one little bit, it'll impact the rest of their life. That's what the statistics show. But for that to happen, we need your help. Church needs to be a weekly priority. Parents, it needs to be a weekly priority. Needs to be more important than sports. Needs to be more important than the favorite hobby. Needs to be more important than extracurricular activities or anything else. And if your student's behind in schoolwork and homework, don't ground them from church. Ground them from their phone. Tell them Pastor Noah said so. <laughs> I don't care. Ground them from video games, whatever electronic media they have. If they're behind in their homework, I promise you, the two hours they're spending at church isn't the reason they're behind on their homework. Two hours doesn't impact that much of homework, guys. I know, I'm in college right now. It's horrible. If your student has sports, help them to get to church afterward. They can show up late. Two of the girls that were up here, actually three of them, used to come like in like their softball stuff all dirty and just coated in dust. They stank. That's okay. <laughs> it's okay. We don't care. Give them a plate of food, they can eat in small groups, not a big deal. It's not a big deal. If your practices run late, talk to the coach. Coach, I'm pulling my kid out. He's got to go to church. If the coach doesn't support that, should your student be on that team? Should he? 0.3% chance your student will become a professional competitor in their favorite sport. 0.03%, sorry. 0.03%, 100% chance he's going to stand before Jesus when he dies. 100% chance. So you tell me what's more important. I'm going to close with this. It's a command from Deuteronomy 11, 8 through 18 through 21. This is Moses reestablishing the covenant with his people. He gives them some very practical, like, instruction on how they can train up their child, right? Deuteronomy 11, 18 through 21, it says, "'Fix these words of mine into your mind and being. Tie them as a reminder on your hands and let them be symbols on your forehead. Teach them to your children and speak of them as you sit in your house, as you walk along the road, as you lie down and as you get up. Inscribe them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates so that your days and those of your descendants may be extended into the land.'" That the Lord promised to give you, promised to give your ancestors, like the days of heaven itself. Parents, I wanna encourage you. You are the most influential people in your students' faith. There's a QR code. I don't have time to go over all this stuff. Throw a QR code, take a snap of it real quick. It's a wonderful study done by um, the Pew Research Organization. Um, It is all about how impactful you parents are. The thing you've got to understand, your understanding of the importance of the church, your understanding of the mission of the church is more important than your students' understanding because your students will follow you if you lead. They will follow you if you lead. And youth ministry exists to come alongside your family and to help you train up your child in the way that they should go by engaging them with God's word and all kinds of spiritual matters that are going to affect their life as they walk with Jesus. And the fact is we're commanded to train up our kids. We should use every single resource we have to ensure that they can remain adults in faith. We need to be serious about sending them to a place where they can be trained and prepared and we can partner with, a place where the lies of the devil are called out and revealed for what they are. We're going to close in prayer real quick. And then I hope you guys will go and, and like congratulate our graduating seniors, give them a pat on the bat, and tell them uh, what a good job they did. So everybody, please close your eyes, bow your heads, and open your hearts. Father God, I thank you so much for this, um, for this church. Thank you for allowing me to be here. I certainly don't deserve to be up here. I, I feel like um, it's just such a wonderful blessing you've given me to teach Um, my heart on this matter of teenagers in the church of the now. I ask, Father, that you would be with us, myself included. I've got a teenager, Lord. I fail in so many of these areas. So many of these things that I brought up today are, are areas where I'm convicted and areas where I need to grow. And so I pray that you would encourage all of us parents and help us to think clearly. Fill us with your Holy Spirit so that we can just be powerful and mighty in the lives of our students, training them in the way that they should go. I thank you so much for just allowing me to be a part of this body of believers. It's so humbling. And I pray that everybody here would continually remember the sacrifice of your son, which he made on the cross when he died for our sins. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Vail Christian Church Podcast. If you have any questions, would like more information about our church, or would like to see the video cast of this message, please visit our website at www.valechristian.com.